want the world. Yeah, I want the world. Yeah, I want it all. Said I want the world. Yeah, I want the world. I'm coming to get it. Don't care what you heard. Don't care what you heard. I'm taking it all. Cause I want the world. Yeah, I want the world. Yeah, I want the world. It's the best in the game. Best in the biz. About that time, and you know what it is. Coming from Brooklyn, bringing that truth. Never gonna lie. Never gonna lose. Always on top. Keeping it steady. He'll make you tap out and you won't be ready. He got the suplex breaking your back. Now everyone in the world gonna listen to Taz. All right, here we go. Welcome. Uh, yes, uh, welcome. Hello. Uh, yes, uh, welcome. Welcome to the Taz Show. Uh, welcome. Yes, I am Taz. Uh, you're about to go on a little journey with yours truly, Taz Show. You listen to it on, uh, you download it, I should say, at radio.com. Maybe you did that on the website or the app. Maybe on Spotify, maybe on Stitcher. Maybe on uh, Apple Podcast. Maybe on whatever the hell the Google th- uh, gimmick is. Google, Google Play Store. Yeah, Samsung Game, game Store. Oh, right, something like that. Well, whatever it is, uh, you, you, you pulled in the show, and I, I appreciate it very much. Uh, you guys are great. Everything's awesome. All right, and that's awesome. Okay, good. So here's the deal, right? So we'll do a little bit of this. Is kind of like a little bit of a Starcast after you know math, and talk a little bit about Ambrose or Moxley, Moxley Jones, John's Moxley's, right? That's his new name in AEW. So we'll get into that a little bit here, right? So uh, all right, a couple things. Uh, you know, Starcast. I have to say, um, it was a lot of. I actually had a lot of fun, and you know me. You know me well, you people, okay? And you know that the name Taz and fun run together. Everyone knows when you say Taz, you say fun. It's a fact. So, well, not so much. But regardless, I did have a good time, all kidding aside. Um, saw a lot of faces I hadn't seen in, oh boy, in forever. You know, a lot of, a lot of people uh, confronted someone that needed to be confronted. I'll get into that in a second. And, um, but yeah, when I first got to the actual convention center at, well, the uh, convention area at Caesars Palace in Las Vegas, that's where the green room was and everybody was. First thing I had to do when I got there was do the live Taz show. So, you know, I got there a few minutes before the show and and talked to the uh, stage manager and some of the production people what we're going to do. And, and I found out Matt Stryker and, uh, uh, Mike Johnson would be part of, uh, you know, uh, introducing me, and I wanted Mike involved with the show anyway. Matt Stryker, I kind of had heat with that I thought because he unfollowed me on social media on Twitter. And as you people know, that's against the world, like against the rules in the world when you unfollow someone on Twitter. That's Those are fighting words. But no, no. So I kind of called him out on it in front of everybody, uh, the big audience that we had there at the Live Taz show. But no, we were just fucking around. So no problem with me and Matt. And, um, Everything's cool. We just and I saw him throughout the weekend, so we were sharing a lot of laughs. But uh, no biggie. Jeez, uh, I saw. I mean, uh, uh, Ron Simmons was the first guy I saw. He was staying at the same hotel as me. Uh, they had like four or five different hotels going on. So I was at a Marriott, and um, the the guys that were at the hotel I was at that I saw throughout Four Horsemen, uh, Booker T, Ron Simmons. That might be it. 
I'm trying to think who else was there. Yeah, that might be it. And uh, yeah, they, they, a lot of people were at other hotels, uh, like spread out. There wasn't too many of at all, as, as you could tell, maybe six guys, seven guys, whatever it was. And uh, Stan Hansen, too. Stan Hansen, the legend, which I didn't get a chance. I, that's one guy I wanted to take a photo with. I don't do much photos with anybody except you people, the fans. But I did not get a chance to see Stan Hansen. So, uh, but I, anyway, so at the event, at the, over the weekend, I should say, at StarCast, I saw everyone from uh, Joe Gertner, like I said, Ron Simmons, to uh, Scott Norton, Road Warrior Animal, Tully Blanchard, was good to see him, Rikishi was one of the first guys I saw when I got there, it was great to see Kish, and just to shoot the shit with Keisha. I always loved Rikishi. I got along great with him. Tonga Kid, with him were chilling. So I got I saw Tonga too. I knew him years ago. Uh, then while I was doing my signing, uh, one of the signings, one of the meet and greets, Haku came around. Uh, him and his sons were signing around the corner from where me and Bret Hart were, the area Bret Hart and I were at. So he came over and um, it was great to see Haku. So I had to take a photo with him. Uh, Shane Douglas, the franchise, hadn't seen Shane in a long time. Jerry Lynn, I mean, it was a litany of people that I saw. It was it was great to see. Um, you guys remember the Viking, Robert the Viking, one of the uh, one of the old school producers of the Taz Show. Uh, the Viking was in town, and uh, Viking kind of was chilling, kind of overseeing the signings, the meet and greets that I was doing. So it was great to see him. <clears throat> Big Dan McDivitt. Uh, the owner and operator and president of MCW Wrestling, Maryland Championship Wrestling. So I could see Big Dan. Uh, he was uh, working the event uh, for StarCast. So it's kind of like a potpourri of so many different people from the wrestling business, from all different areas and companies that Conrad uh, and StarCast had working for them. Like behind the scenes, it was crazy. It was just a weird fucking mix. It was kind of cool, though, but. I'm like, wow, what the fuck's that guy doing here? What is he doing here? It was weird. I'm not talking wrestlers either. Like, it was strange. But it's like, you know, people from the business. And and they, they I got to tell you, straight up as mofo, okay, the Starcast event, the way that shit was ran, uh, the transportation for the talent from all the hotels to the event, uh, meaning like, uh, you know, either like uh, big SUVs or, or church vans, as I like to call them. Um, to the catering they had in the green room, the green room itself, and the backstage security and all that. Dude, I felt like I was working for WWE again. It was that high level. I mean, they did it right. Conrad, uh, that guy spares no expense, and I got to say, he does it right. He does it right. And you know me, I don't do shit. And, um, you know, but uh, all kidding aside, man, like the best part of it was to see a lot of you people. Okay, you people. That are fans of the Taz show And there was so many of you Coming up to me over the weekend In Vegas and I want to thank all of you guys For taking the time To come and meet and say hello And a lot of you I, now I can put a face to the names Or over the years you guys Have called the Taz show um, Even people that, that never called The show when I had live phones You know just Listening to the podcast and Just talking about water breaks and Shit talking about like you know, a uh, little gimmick bits that we do here on the Taz show. And, and so, you know, they're not bullshit and they know the show and people wearing Taz show apparel and shirt, you know, shirts and shit. It was just really cool. I got to say, I, you know, I, again, I don't do a lot of this shit as you guys know. I'm not going to do a ton more. I can promise you that. Um, but it was, I got to tell you, it was fun. It was fun. I had a good time. I did have a good time. 
Um, the live, uh, the, the live Taz show went really well. I, I know the podcast is doing great numbers, and you know, as you guys know, MJF was the guest on it. So if you haven't listened to that yet, that was the podcast right before this one. That's the audio of the live Taz show um, that was done down there, out there in Vegas. So you should listen to it. And MJF was in that episode along with Mike Johnson was sitting on stage with me, which is great. Uh, Mike is uh, always a great supporter and friend. So just to shoot the shit with Mike a little bit on stage was fun. And I said Matt Stryker jumped in there too. Uh, but MJF, I thought, did a really good job. Uh, he's a young man who's got a, a very bright future. You know, gift a gab, really can cut a promo, knows how to get heat. He's not looking to get over with anyone, not looking to babyface anyone. He wants to stay as a fucking heel. Uh, he's a heat, 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 heat Jones. He's just heat city Jones. And, um, you know, so he, uh, you know, he 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 was, was fun to talk to. And it's going to be great to see this young man evolve in the industry. You know what I mean? So I would assume he's got a very bright future with AEW. I know they want to do a lot with him. And, you know, geez, on, on, at double or nothing on the pay-per-view, he you know, comes out and cuts his promo or whatever on Bret Hart, which is, I mean, you can't get much higher than that, right? So, you know, I'll give you a little bit of uh, AEW double or nothing thoughts, too, because I really didn't. I, I'm, I, I wasn't at the event, just so you guys know. I was not at the actual live event. I was at a hotel four miles away from the event, um, you know, and um, if I was needed, I, they know how to reach me. Uh, I wasn't needed. It was weird being at the hotel and sitting in the lobby bar, um, eating a New York strip steak sandwich, hold the cheddar cheese uh, with the caramelized onions on a baguette with a local draft, a couple of brewskis. And I'm sitting in there and I'm watching a baseball game in the in the lobby bar. And I'm looking out the window and on the patio, I have like a patio bar. And then I see Ron Simmons. I see Booker T. They're hanging out talking. And I don't want to bother them. And I was just kind of chilling. I wanted some downtime. And, um, and I'm thinking, wow, you know, just with myself, Booker and Ron, like there's a lot of experience right there. You know, like, <laughs> you know, like legitimate years of experience and and like there's this really red hot wrestling show going on with the current wrestlers uh, called AEW down the road like four miles away and we're not there we're just kind of chilling it was weird yeah it was just a weird thing I I guess because I don't normally travel anywhere unless I'm working you know so like I, I felt like I was when I'm at in a town my years it's either I'm going to broadcast or back in the day you know wrestle even further back in the day. So I wasn't doing any of that. I was, you know, there was a big huge wrestling show going on. And I'm sitting there eating a steak sandwich, you know, and at, at whatever it was, local time, 6 p.m. or 5.30 p.m. It was just odd. But, you know, it's a, it's a young man's business, a young person's business. Uh, and uh, and that's who was, who was battling at it at the Double or Nothing. So the um, I thought the show, Double or Nothing show was really good. I did. Uh, I enjoyed it. Um, I got to watch most of it the next day, uh, and then the day after that, I saw the complete the complete deal. Um, I, I thought, obviously, like everybody else felt, most people felt, Dustin and Cody was a tremendous match. I mean, with the blood and the emotions in it, and with Cody saying, you know, I don't need a tag team partner. I need, you know, my big brother. It was very emotional, and it was a playoff of the late great Dusty Rhodes. Their their dad, his promo on Dustin years back. Um, I don't need a tag team partner; I need my son. That type of thing. 
Awesome stuff, awesome stuff, awesome stuff. And those guys worked hard. Those two brothers busted their ass. And now they're both going to battle the Young Bucks in a tag match, brothers versus brothers, which I think is pretty cool. You know, I enjoyed that match too. The Bucks versus Lucha Brothers. I thought that was really good too. Um, Battle Royale was fair to Midland on. I got to be honest. It was a lot of gimmicky shit in it. I mean, I like gimmicky stuff. It was a little too much. But, you know, it was fine. Um, it was fine. The Bret Hart thing was a shocker to me. Him coming out and bringing the belt out was a big shocker. I didn't expect that. Um, I did not expect that. I thought that was cool. That's a big middle finger to Vince. I mean, like, you know, he just got put in their Hall of Fame. You know, he just got put in the Hall of Fame for a second time. I understand Jim Neidhart, God rest his soul, that that was the other reason. Obviously, the, the, the Hart Foundation went in, but, you know, I, and they just did a whole special on the WWE Network with him and Tom McGee, and I, I was surprised to see that he would go on AEW like he did. But I guess because Ric Flair was not healthy enough to fly at that moment, that I guess Rick was supposed to do that, which that too if it was Rick displaying the belt, if I don't know the truth, if it was going to be Rick doing that, I'm like, wow, you know, his friendship with Triple H, that's and what Charlotte working for, you know, Vince. I don't know, man. It's, the whole thing's wacky, but who knows? I don't know if that's true. That's what I heard, and that's a lot of you heard that that, that Flair was supposed to do the belt thing. Um, by the way, that belt is awesome. The AW belt, I love the look of it. Who, who, who those guys who designed it did a great job. Really weird. Quick story on the belt. I can't. I don't recall the fan's name at one of the meet and greets I did in Vegas. Fan had um a uh, a a, fl- a fake belt, like a toy belt, but it was a cool looking one. I'm like, wow, what is that belt? And he said it's a Lucha Underground belt. It was uh, God, I'm not the trios belt. I can't remember. If you look at one of Lucha Underground belts, there's resemblances, like well, those there's those vertical tall plates on the front of the leather that's what this lucha belt looked like lucha underground belt and that's kind of reminded me a little bit of the aw belt but anyway so that's what reminded was weird because the day before i just saw that from a fan it was really you know interesting a belt similar to the aw belt um what else we got here uh, i'm trying to remember everything oh confronted jones i gotta get to that in a second i'll tell you who i confronted uh back to aw that's right the, the double or nothing the okay so I thought the a couple things the Jericho Omega match. Uh, you know, I I I know Kenny. Kenny's been on my show. Um, I I'm friends with Kenny. Never worked with Kenny. Uh, obviously, Chris Jericho and I are friends. Go way back. Worked with Chris a whole bunch everywhere. Um, and he's been on the Taz show too. And truth be told, we were going to record an episode of his show with me as a guest on it in Vegas. And I guess. It's just we never connected, and we're going to do something in the future, just so you guys know. Uh, Chris and I, that's the game plan, but we'll see. So, But I thought Kenny and, uh, and, and Jericho was excellent. I really enjoyed it. I did, I did like it a lot. I mean, um, and the surprise of, of Moxley I thought was excellent. The, the pop and the build of the pop I thought was really, really good. I would have done it a little different. I would have had his his reveal, Moxie's reveal, a little bit different, and I'll tell you what I would have done. Here's a little free consulting gimmick. <laughs> you know, I do that sometimes, unfortunately, for me. I would have had, at the end of the match, Chris Jericho cut his promo like he did in the ring, and then I would fly up when the timing's right on the Tron, because they had the arena was set up beautiful. The arena was packed. The MGM was it looked great. I would have put the Moxie video on. And the place would have went berserk. They would have went nuts. And 
Jericho's would be watching the screen and then just about 20 seconds into the video playing Jericho's ready for what's his name Moxie to come down the ramp he's ready to fucking kill him and fight him from the crowd from behind Moxie spins Chris around kicks him in the belly does a DDT gimmick boom you're off to the races as opposed to Moxie getting in the ring going face to face with Chris and it's kind of tough because he you know he's got to like kick Chris in the gut right in front of Chris's face where I think you pull a little misdirection maneuver and you get a big pop show that cool video a quick second of it Chris is distracted by Chris thinks he's coming Moxie out from the entrance area and here it comes from the crowd so you get you can handle you I'm sorry you cover him coming through the crowd like you got like AW guys wanted to do I guess uh, but yet you're still getting now you're the, the plus is you're getting to air that cool video and you're protecting a credible superstar like Chris Jericho. You're protecting him where he's not just getting kicked in the stomach in front of everybody. You know, he's getting spun around, boom, kicked in the belly. Like, you know, so it gives Chris something to bitch about. You know, I didn't know you. I didn't know you were coming. You had attacked me from behind, whatever. But it seems like they're going Kenny Omega and uh, and Moxley anyway. But that's what it seems like. But I'm just saying, like, I would I would assume Chris would get some kind of receipt on him eventually. But who who knows? I don't really know. The company's so new and young, it's tough to figure out how they're booking things. Uh, another thing I want to say about the booking. I enjoyed the booking of AW, and what I really enjoy most, and I I hate to be rude or mean to any of guys that i've known over the years that are writers and companies and that i've been friends with uh it's refreshing that there's no writers involved i'm just being honest because some things writers do a great job but a lot of times there's just just a lot of things get lost in translation there's sometimes too many opinions and too many cooks in the kitchen um i i'm a fan of i'm old school wrestlers uh work amongst each other older wrestlers or veteran wrestlers Coming up with finishes and storylines to keep them clean I know in ECW, I believe in the way the booking was done there There was no writers, I mean there was none It was Paul Heyman And then, you know, the top guys would have input on what they were doing in their matches And most wrestlers had input in their matches And Paul had the final say, obviously, but that's how it was done It was really a clean, simple structure And I got the feeling maybe that's what they're going to do here with AEW a clean, simple structure. Um, the announcing, I'd rather try to avoid getting into, to be honest with you, um, only because I just, I'd rather not give an opinion on it. Um, uh, just, just my opinion. I, I, I'm look. Just a couple things. Uh, you guys know I'm not a big fan of three man boots. I, I never was. Never will be. Um, I, I, by the way, I thought JR sounded awesome um, The other two gentlemen, uh, Excalibur and Marvez uh, Not used to them, gotta get used to hearing them I've heard, I actually have heard Excalibur do some in the past PWG stuff And truth be told, I felt like he did a pretty solid job As far as giving the backstory on some of the independent wrestlers That maybe, or the younger wrestlers that we're not familiar with as an audience Unless you're a hardcore fan and you know them so I thought he did do it. He was very prepared in regards to that. You know, that's fine. Um, but otherwise, I'd rather just leave it alone because I, I'm, you know, it's. Um, I think let's let it happen. Let's see if 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 they're going to keep these three men together. If they're going to keep them together, um, then let's let them get build some chemistry. If they're not, then that's what I mean. I'd rather just not 
just get into it. I know there was a lot of ripping on somebody announcing, and there was a lot of ripping on some of the camera work. Um, Production-wise, you got to let them get their sea legs under them a little bit too here. You know, this is all new. It's only their second big show. And I could assure you people that from a production standpoint, the people that are in that truck, uh, the man who's running that truck, who's the executive producer, is a guy named Keith Mitchell. I might have mentioned Keith's name on here before. Keith, you're not going to get much more credible uh, covering wrestling from a TV production standpoint than Keith Mitchell. I mean, his legacy is long. And most people don't know who he is, but he, you know, he was a producer for the Von Erichs back in the day in Texas for their TV for many years. Into uh, some NWA, into WCW, all the Nitros, WCW, blah, blah, blah. I mean, so, I mean, and then he jumped at this little something called TNA and did all the production of TNA. So he's the man. He's, he's, he's a Southern version of, from production TV truck of Kevin Dunn. I mean, he's got that kind of legacy and history and length in, in the business. Uh, the director is a gentleman by the name of Tim Wahlberg, and Tim is another guy who's long in the tooth as far as experience a gentleman from Baltimore who worked for Vince McMahon for many years as a director, uh, worked for the Baltimore Orioles in TV production for a long time, and then went to TNA also. Uh, so, again, these are the, the producer, the executive producer, and the director in that truck. Those are the men who are side by side. Though They are loaded with uh, experience, both of them. And uh, they both have worked together in TNA, so they're very well familiar with each other. Tim Wahlberg, director. Keith Mitchell, producer. You can't go wrong with these two men. I promise you. The cool video productions done by Kevin Sullivan, who was working directly for TNA and Jeff Jarrett, who worked for Vince McMahon for Kevin Dunn for many, many years in WWE. That's why I first met Kevin Sullivan. Not the devil Kevin Sullivan. This is a different Kevin Sullivan. And, um, you know, in, in these video packages are phenomenal. And, and, you know, it's coming from him. It's coming from Kevin. So point is, production-wise, they got fucking legitimate pros going on here, okay? <laughs> so, AEW, I'm talking about, if you lost me here. So, they got all that covered. They're good. Um, you know, uh, la, la, la. Okay, so I'm trying to think. What else. Oh, I want to talk about the confronting thing, and I want to talk about Ambrose, that he was on Jericho's podcast, which I normally don't, you know me, I normally don't get into talking about people when they're all on a podcast, but I will do that in this episode. But there's something else that actually needs to be done that was not done on the special live Taz show, as you people might have heard or not heard on the live Taz show. Yes. It's time. A little water break. Oh. Mizu Jones. It's cold. Alright, anyways. Yeah, a little water break. I'm gonna go to break. Come back from break. Who did Taz confront that Starcast? And by the way, not only did I confront this guy, I'll give you a hint. I was a lot taller than him too. Also, I want to give you my thoughts on what Moxley had to say about WWE and Vince McMahon on Jericho's podcast. Taz show sit tight, bitches. Be right back.
All right, guys, we're back here on the Taz Show. Uh, Going to get to talk about who was confronted by the human suplex machine in Las Vegas. Give me my thoughts on Moxley's uh, appearance on Jericho's podcast. So what do you have to say about WWE and Vince McMahon? First, I want to let you guys know it's getting nice out there, and it's the warm weather's here now. If you're in the Northeast, you know what I mean, or maybe you're in other parts of the country where it already is warm. Listen, guys, uh, it's very important right now that we are careful on the roads and we are buckling up. Uh, Nitz's campaign of click it or ticket is a true lifesaver. You know, uh, cops are stepping up uh, enforcement and writing tickets, so do not take the risk. It's not worth it. Wear your seatbelt. When you're not wearing your seatbelt, you're risking serious injury or death. And that's a fact. Okay, that's a straight up fact. Okay, so uh, there's no such thing as a good excuse either for not buckling up. Ah, I live close to here. Ah, I'm just driving a couple of miles. No, no, no. No matter how far you're driving, whether you think it's uncomfortable or you just forgot, always buckle up. It's very important. It's a lifesaver, guys. And also buckle up what you love. Uh, a friend, a, a significant other, uh, you know, uh, whoever, a family member in the car, family, friends, and of course yourself. You know, buckle up what you love. Remember that. Buckle up what you love. Guys, be smart. Okay? Be smart. Wear a seatbelt. Click it or ticket. Okay. So, all right. Who was confronted? I've been building this thing up like it's like, oh, man, Taz really got someone's grill. Oh, it's going to be fucking bad, bro. Uh, real simple. Uh, the Hornswoggle. Okay. You know the little guy, uh, WWE Leprechaun Jones. Okay. Hornswoggle. I've been waiting a little while sitting on this. You people that follow me heavy duty on social media for several years and on top of the Taz show, you guys know what the fuck I'm talking about here. Little homie. Little homie decided on a YouTube uh, shoot interview because that's where all the magic's done over the years uh, to fucking bury your boy Taz because uh, he was on one of these fucking uh, jabroni uh, shoot interviews um, where it was like uh, they do a thing, um, good guy or dick, like meaning what type of person is this guy, and then and then the host, usually a shit star, will give the guy's name, and then the the guest, in this case it was Hornswoggle, would say, good guy. Dickhead, something like that. Now, this is a couple years ago, but I've been sitting on this shit, and Hornswoggle decided to put me in the dick category. Now, I've talked about this on the Taz show a couple years ago. I'm very confused, very confused over this. Never had a problem with Hornswoggle. My time with him in WWE as a commentator, and he was doing his thing. I always was really cool with Hornswoggle. I shared a lot of less with Hornswoggle. I always... Got him over on commentary the best I could and always had nothing but all good stuff with Hornswoggle. Then he goes on this thing and buries me, and I was shocked. So I'm sitting in the green room after the first I did the Taz show. This is on Friday. Then I did a meet and greet. Uh, I think it was Friday. No, it was Saturday. I apologize. Saturday, I just did a meet and greet. It was like 12.30 p.m. I got done, whatever it was, 2.30 p.m. Uh, Pacific time. I'm talking to Joe Gertner, Robbie the Viking with a crew, and might have been David Crockett, old school NWA Jones, right? And Hornswoggle comes walking in, and I guess he just doesn't meet and greet, and he's like, hey, he goes, hey, Taz, how you doing? He comes over to like, shake my hand. I go, yo, dude, I got to talk to you. He looked at me. I go, come here. And we stepped to the side. I don't want people to hear the business. I mean, I kind of got hot at him. Pretty quick, but no one like made a big deal. I guess they're used to me 
getting a little ticked and i pulled him aside i said dude what the fuck's the problem i haven't seen you like in for years and then you go on this shoot thing a couple of years ago to shoot interview thing and you fucking bury me and he tried to play a little dumb he goes well i don't know dude and i explained to him what it was so he knew right away that okay this motherfucker saw this thing and he apologized he said i i don't know i said what, what was there ever a problem with you and i in wwe because no you were always really cool with me i go yeah and you were cool to me like wh- why did you do this I, said, I don't know i don't know i just i shouldn't have done it i i apologize and i'm glad you you know confronted me about it that's okay okay i, I don't i don't i hope it was worth it <laughs> so i said to him and i said how's everything otherwise okay you know just busy okay good well, good to see you. And again, I apologize. Good to see you. I guess water under the bridge. And that's it. I'm done. That's how I am. But you see, this is what I mean. What I've talked about with these shoot interviews. Guys just say things on there to get static from the audience, to get clicks, to get other people wanting to pay them to do these things, to be controversial, to have a fucking hot take and bury someone for no fucking reason because they figure that guy's a lightning rod. Don't believe everything you've heard in these old shooting interviews. I, don't, I think they're kind of dying down now, which is a good thing because uh, people just have social media and then just do their shit on there, I guess. I don't know. Just don't, don't, just take a lot of things with a grain of salt that you hear on everybody on these things. And I'm just letting you know the facts of what happened when I confronted the guy, and it was that simple. And he fessed up to it, and and he apologized. And I didn't. I I was like, okay, and that was the, That's basically what happened. That's basically the way the whole thing went down. But see, he had no legitimate reason to tell me why he did what he did. Nothing. There was no reason. He just did it, I guess, to be well. You know, a couple other guys have buried Taz. I guess I. Now he didn't say this. A couple other guys have buried Taz. I guess I could just bury Taz. I guess that it's a hot, it's a hot, you know, topic to bury Taz on a shoot interview. Okay, see, and that's what I said to him. I said, "So what? What am I? I'm, I'm like somebody's sacrificial lamb here. Is that what the fuck I'm supposed to be?" He goes, "No, no, I'm, I'm sorry." And I said, "Okay, you know, that was the other thing I did say to him: sacrificial lamb thing. I forgot about that." Anyway, so thoughts on the Moxley uh, Jones on uh, the deal here, Moxley John Moxley on the, the Chris Jericho deal. So, uh, look, I did not hear it. Truth be told, I read some of the transcript. You know, I, I'm a podcaster myself. I understand you should listen to these things, but there's been enough scuttlebutt and chatter about what was said on it by him. I got to tell you, it's I'm just being blunt. I don't know. I'll call him Ambrose for shits and giggles here. I don't know the guy personally. You know, I respect what he's done in his career. I do. Um, I, I'm not. I don't. I don't. I don't. It's just my opinion on what he said. It's a little tough to swallow. And I'll tell you why. You know, my man went there to WWE, and then he got pushed, the Shield, and then by himself. And he made well over a good amount, a high number probably, seven figures. Okay, for those that don't know what seven figures are, that's over a million dollars and counting over his years and years in WWE. Because he was pushed, pushed very hard for quite some time. Not at the end, but for quite some time. He was pushed hard. He made a lot of money there, okay, and he was given a send-off, which most guys don't. I don't think he had to lay down in the middle to put anybody over and do the honors on the way out the door, and he left pissed off and bitter. And meanwhile, by the way, and uh, you know, back on the ranch in Brooklyn, his significant other, his wife, he's under contract to WWE, and she has a job. 
You think, well, one has nothing to do with the other. Oh, no, bullshit. Okay, they're a married couple. Okay, so you know you're you're bringing two incomes for a lot of years that a lot of money for each man and woman in that family into your household from Vince McMahon and WWE. Two for a lot of years, and then when you leave, you're disgruntled, and it sounds like sour grapes, and you're bitter, and you bury everybody. You bury Vince. You bury it, and. and I got to tell you, when I left WWE and I left on my terms, just like Ambrose left on his terms, okay, he wasn't released and I wasn't released, okay? I know this much. I wanted out of there because at that time, this was years ago, and I don't, I dare you to find audio or video or text of me ripping the shit out of Vince or anybody there. I've n- I haven't done that. Even TNA, where they were fucking with my money. And everybody else's money And I didn't bury them I quasi did But I had reason to really bury them And I didn't I was a little stiff But not burial WWE You didn't hear that from me I didn't bury them And I Look He You know I'm just giving you my opinion Of what he said And That's it I'm just I, I just felt Because it's newsworthy right now And I felt like Look, he has more than his right to go and say what the fuck he wants Don't get me wrong I'm just giving you my opinion about Him leaving And what happened The opportunities he was given and he earned In WWE Him and his wife you know, Renee Young And the money that they were pulling in And both really good professionals And I, I gotta tell you To me it's a like uh, The other thing is you, you kind of I mean I don't know I, I don't know his relationship with his wife It's none of my business But it's kind of like I Hopefully she don't catch any heat I, I would hope not from WWE Because the stuff he was saying I mean I hope not But because she, I believe she's still there You know so <laughs> Again just my opinion uh, I think he's going to do great stuff in AEW I think it's a great marriage I know he's doing some bookies I think in Japan too And I think it's great I think the guy's going to have a, a great secondary, second career now uh, Just given my blunt opinion On the stuff he said Again I didn't hear the podcast So that's you know, but reading the transcripts, reading some of the stuff that he said, I was a little surprised because I feel like if you're going to make that amount of money and get that big of a push for that many years and then get a nice send off and then go and bury the fuck out of Vince like that and other people there, ugh, that's a little rough. That's a little rough. Again, just one guy's opinion. No dog in the fight. I don't have a dog in the fight and I don't want a fucking dog in the fight. All good in the hood for me, kids. So that's the deal. Well, look at I appreciate it as usual. You people are great. You know that. I love everybody in this world. And um, thanks for downloading this episode of the Taz Show. It's very much appreciated. Uh, and I hope you guys uh, everything's going great. You know what I mean? Next week, do a little Taz Hall Jones. Do a little Taz Hall. We'll get it out there on the social media early in the week. Keep an eye on the Instagram. That's where it's going to the information for that. That's Taz Talk. T A Z T A L K Instagram. You don't have Instagram, get it, follow me, and uh, then you can be involved with uh, Taz Hall here on the Taz Show. All right, guys, I'm Taz Janot. Thanks for downloading this episode. Make sure you subscribe and give me a rating. Fucking put me over for fuck's sake. You know what I mean? Jesus. You can go buy a T-shirt at ProWrestlingTees.com slash T-A-Z. I'm Taz Janot. Goodbye. Have a top ten. Me against the world. I've been doing what I really love. Haters been hiding behind the screen. Man, they movie cuts. And when I'm back at home, it never feels the same. Cause we've been doing our own thing, trying to stay up. I want to go back to days with no grades. We ordered the kids' meal, play ball, that's all day now. I'm stuck looking.
looking at this Instagram page But these likes on my picture don't result in getting paid now I've been wondering where the party at Cause all of my concerns got me wondering where